Hello and welcome. Coming to you from Varginha, Brazil. I'm Josh. And I'm John. And I just left a Brazilian steakhouse myself. Although the meat was like really smelly. You might have been at the wrong place. But this is the Geek ETC podcast, where we dive into all things you can geek out about. We are back. It's them boys. The, we them boys. The geek, the geek ETC fellas. Them fellas? Them, them fellas. <laughs> we them fellas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's okay. The Dos Amigos. Dos Amigos, yeah. Mm-hmm. That could be. That's, that's that sounds language. classier. Does it? It's better than Trace Hombres. Trace Hombres. Well, that's a little bit of an inside joke there. Yeah. You gotta stay away from those. That's what our acting coach said. <laughs> right. Um, how have you been, buddy? Good. Yeah. Good. Busy, as always. Yeah. You know, that's life. Dealing with, you know, working on more podcast stuff as, as usual. Yeah. Working on podcast stuff, editing things, uh, working on maybe new characters for Dungeons and Dragons, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wouldn't you know it, our last episode, we you know we had a D&D podcast and we talked about a game that we were playing later that day and specifically mentioned about how, you know, sometimes your characters die, but we've got a lot lined up. Lo and behold, I did a stupid move and my character died. That's right. Uh, no, for real. It was, it was a funny situation. Um, uh, I, I fell victim to a beholder's uh, death ray. And yeah, you know, I asked you, I was like, you know, it's a death ray, right? Like you understand it's a, it's a death ray. No, I didn't know. You, you just, just kept, you, you just kept saying it's a death ray. Well, cause I couldn't say like, well, if you die, like if you reduce to I zero, mean, could. Points, well, that takes away. I'm the, I'm the GM, Josh. As we decided. Well, yeah. But like, I know it's a death ray. I don't, didn't know what death ray did, but yes, I knew it was a death ray. <laughs> well, you, you know. one would think the name implies it, but it was also, we had been playing for like seven we hours. for seven hours. So if you guys listened to our <laughs> last episode, our Dungeons and Dragons homebrew episode, yeah, that, that took the better part of like the evening and everybody had a blast and it was a lot of fun for, it was a really successful uh, outing for us. Yeah, it, it was, it was a lot of fun. We didn't quite finish the story arc, but that's perfectly fine. I'm, it, we're we're right towards a big climactic moment, so I'm excited for yeah, when we get to play our next game. Yeah, we're queued up for it. Um, now, you you said there was something that came out this week, right, that you were wanting to talk uh, about. Speaking of games and stuff, um, I, I picked up that new uh, Legend of Zelda. Oh, snap. Tears of the Kingdom. Okay. It's kind of the current new hotness, you know, getting 10 out of 10s. A lot of. Hundreds out of, like, every review site that exists. It's one of the highest rated. I think it's is like the highest rated game on Switch that's really? that's came out. Wow! Which I think the other Breath of the Wild had the spot beforehand, but now this one overtook it. Well, tell me about it. Well, it is the first Legend of Zelda game I've ever even played. You've never <laughs> played Zelda before? No, dude, I've not played Zelda before either. I thought you were like a Zelda dude. Though. Oh no, that was that was one series. I mean, like you know, most of my childhood was. You know, as a lot of people was was very uh, engrossed in Nintendo properties, Mario, uh, Donkey Kong, a lot of those other things. But we never, we just never had a Zelda game. Um, but one of my uh, good buddies was uh, big into Zelda, and so I would watch him play them sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Wind Waker and some of those ones on GameCube. Um, and they always kind of looked fun. You know, a lot of puzzle aspects to them, the temples you go into and whatnot. Um, and they always had really interesting graphics and stuff. But I just, yeah, I just never had one, so I never had a chance to play them. And 
you know, Breath of the Wild came out, I heard everybody that I follow online and stuff, they all, you know, everybody and their brother was talking about how good it was. And so I had been interested in it in a while and I actually bought my nephew that game for like a couple Christmases ago and kind of watched him play it a little bit. I've like thought about asking him if I could borrow it. Did he like it? <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. I don't even know that he's played. He's got more into playing like NBA oh, yeah. and Madden games and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense if you know him and yeah. his dad and that and their whole family. Um, so yeah, who knows if he's even played it anymore, but, um, it, yeah, this one kind of came out and I watched some reviews and, you know, I've, like I said, I've been wanting to play one and I've been looking for some kind of, uh, kind of big, bigger kind of open world game to dive into because there hasn't really had anything that's really grabbed my attention as of late. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I just haven't really been playing many games and, I've, I had yet to find any game on Switch that really hooked me or grabbed me. You know, most of the just, I think just the catalog on Switch, most of that doesn't, didn't really appeal to me that much. Like yeah. one of the few things on there on Nintendo stuff that typically would have my attention would be Pokemon games and stuff, but all the ones that came out on that have had so many problems. Mm, I didn't know that. Yeah, they've had a lot of issues with them and stuff. And like even just the amount of effort they've put into some of them graphically and stuff, when you compare it to something like Breath of the Wild, they seem just like fairly poorly done. You're like a game that came out what like years ago looks this good, but your current Pokemon game you just put out, like uh Legends of Arceus or uh what is it? Uh Scarlet and Violet that just came out. Like some of the graphical stuff in it, you're like how is this a new game? And it looks like way worse than that older game that came out. But regardless, I, I heard a lot of good stuff about it. So I decided to pull the trigger on it and got my first Zelda game. And wouldn't you know it? I've, I'm probably eight hours into it at this point. Yeah. A decent bit. And I'm, I'm barely out of the kind of one of the first areas you get to. Really? You're enjoying so you're you're enjoying the exploration aspect it, of it. It's it's very fun. Uh, my wife actually sent me a Reddit post earlier today that I thought was pretty funny. Um, it was on the uh, Tears of the Kingdom uh, subreddit, and the title was "This Game Is a Trap." Oh, and it said the whole game is an exercise in distraction. I'm 20 hours in, and I still haven't gotten to Rito Village, which I think is one of like the first places the missions are supposed. The main mission takes you. Like the main storyline, like, like that's when you once you kind of get past the tutorial part and it like really opens up. Mm. That's one of like at the first places you go. I don't, I haven't even got there. I'm not entirely sure what it is yet. But he said I walk like 50 yards and it's like, oh, what's that? And then I'm on the way to the distraction and then it's, but wait, what's that? Every time I'm losing hours exploring without doing anything. I'm 42 with two kids. I don't have time for this. I'll be dead before I finish this game. Wow. By the way, I love this game. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so I, and already I can kind of agree with him that like, I haven't even found really the best method to even make any money. And like, I've, I've tried venturing out to some of the other kind of uh, main areas of the main map and every direction I go into, I run into enemies that are just way too strong for me at the moment. Ooh, okay. Or I would find like a store at all the clothes is like thousands of rupees and I have like 10 rupees. So, like I said, I put maybe close almost to 10 hours into it, and I, I haven't even, I don't even know how to, like, I don't have any money or any kind of 
I haven't really leveled up very much yet. Wow. But I felt like I've done a lot. Well. But in reality, I haven't done much. It's kind of like life. Maybe mm. Zelda's just a terrible, like, employee. Mm. You know, like how there's, like, some workers who feel like they're, like, I work so hard for this company and blah, blah, blah. And then they're, 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 they're like, the laziest person. I believe you mean Link. Oh. Link. In, in reference to the main character. Zelda is the princess. Right. Zelda is the princess. I'm stupid. <laughs> it's okay. Um, one of my... Maybe he took her name. Speaking of that as well, actually. Uh, oh, I'm so one stupid. One of my favorite... Uh, uh, people that I follow online, uh, Rocco Bodie, who is part of the Mega Sixty Four crew, mm-hmm. he he's a like master in uh, just kind of like they they do like sketch comedy stuff and a lot of video game related things and whatnot. But he's really great at subvertly and kind of covertly getting just random people on the internet to get upset about stuff that he's being satirical he's a about. Provocateur is what you're saying. Kind of, I guess you could kind of see it as that, but he, uh, oh, he, uh, he, he tweeted out the other day, um, a, a thing that obvious. it's like obvious, like if you know them, you know, and he's done this a few times, it's, it's very obviously satire if mm-hmm. you know them and stuff, but his tweet was very interesting that the new Legend of Zelda game opens with a princess with full voice acting, but Zelda himself <laughs> is not allowed to speak. This is where games are now. Men aren't allowed to have a voice. That's good. We wanted Hyrule. We got Wokistan. That's funny. <laughs> so, yeah, very obviously satire. Even, you know, again, calls Link Zelda. Yeah. And at, at the time this was on here, like, this was posted two days ago, and at the time of posting, it was 13 hours old. It had uh, 1,200 retweets, 9,000 likes. And like three hundred and ten thousand interactions, wow! And so it just exploded, and there were so many subreddits and so many other people on the internet that were just like fuming over, like this idiot doesn't even know what he's talking about. Man. Within the first ten minutes, they reference, they call him Link like a thousand times, and you know anybody knows that Zelda's the prince, and everybody's getting so upset about it. All right, so let's keep calling it Zelda so we can get that many interactions yeah, right. on our Instagram, huh? There you go. <laughs> this will be our new short. Yeah. So, yeah, if you if you don't follow them, go check out Mega64. They are, they've been, they actually, uh, I think within, in June, hit the, in the first week or two of June, they hit their 20th anniversary of making internet content. That They were some of the first people doing it. They were kind of the old guard of YouTube videos and video game related skits and things. A lot of people still don't know about them, but again, they've been doing it forever and they've been hilarious forever. So go check out Mega64 and yeah, uh, tell them what's up. Well, so right now where you're at with your playthrough, what would you give it? At the place that you're at right now, one through 10. That's tough. Again, because I don't have any other Zelda games to compare it to. Well, just as a game in general then. I mean, as a game so far, I'm having a lot of fun in it. That's good. So I would, I would probably put it at a, at least an eight as a, as a good, as a, like, hey, yeah, I guess that's a great game so far. Like, yeah, I've had a lot of fun. And for me to be able to dive into a game that I have no really history with and don't really know anything about the story much other than this sequel to a game that's, came out but in a way from what i understand all the zeldas are kind of sequels of all of them hmm. the story it's kind of the same story that kind of sort of repeats itself yeah just in slightly different thematics 
But I mean, so far, yeah, the gameplay and all this stuff is super fun. It has this, it introduced this really awesome crafting mechanic hmm. where you're able to, any kind, any object or any item you find, you can combine with any other object. Like you have this ability called, I think like the, our, I've played it, I don't know how many hours, I already forgot what it's called. I don't know if it's called the master hand or the ultimate hand or something like that, that you can use to manipulate objects around you. And if you put two objects close together, they'll kind of glue together. And you can do that with, so you'll come across this pile of just like wood and uh, wagon wheels and stuff. And so you can use these pieces of wood just to craft a wagon. You just put the pieces together and they just snap all together and you've got a wagon. And then you can get these extra uh, like special power devices, like they're basic devices, such as like you can have a fan or a rocket or a glider mm-hmm. or a balloon. And it's these things you can use so you can create some kind of contraption and then put these things on it to power it in some way or variety. So you, you create the basic cart and then you throw, you know, wheels on the side, like actual powered wheels on the side and the steering wheel. And now you've got an actual functioning cart you can drive. A car in Zelda? Yeah. But in mm-hmm. one instance, on one, of, one of the reviews that I saw that a guy, he had a car and he drove up into this dead end. There's a big mountain. He's like, well, I'm kind of stuck. So he just pops out a balloon, puts the balloon on top of it, and then just flies over the mountain. Now you've got a flying car. And so it's purely up to your imagination on what, apparently like there's some videos of people that are building like mechs. Okay. Out of them. Like they're getting extremely advanced with some of the stuff and they're building like full on mechs out of some of this stuff. I haven't really seen that, but I heard someone talking about it. I'm actually on Mega 64 the other day. Um, but, and, but then you can also do it with your weapons. So if you have a sword or just even a stick or whatever your weapon is, you can combine it with any, any item you find, whether it be like an, a, a mob drop, like, like something that an enemy drops down for your food boulders you find around the world or like tree trunks or, or or another weapon like someone took a like a gardening hoe and put like a pike on the end of it yeah and it's just this absurdly long weapon for no reason but you can just take a stick and then put like yeah, a big boulder on the end of it and you've got this like huge club that can just like break through stuff so it has a lot of uh imaginative constructing in it Interesting. Which is pretty cool. And I'm having a lot of fun with that. Well, you heard it here, folks. Preemptive. Eight out of ten. Likely to improve. Likely to improve. Um, well, you talking about that made me think of, well, just because I was trying to find something fun to do yesterday, and I saw Xbox mention, like, hey, did you know you could, like, play music from Amazon or Spotify or whatever on your app through here? No. Oh, and it wow. would just play through your headset? I, I, like, I know that there used to be things like that back in the day. Like, I remember back on the original one, you could load your CDs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. On yeah. the stuff. And then and then most games, they would have a, in the sound options, you could choose, like, Xbox soundtrack. Yep. And you could play your music, which I thought that was awesome back in the day. Well, that's what I was doing last night. And I was, you know, I started off playing a little Hell Let Loose and uh, mm, Sabaton, Sabaton came on. Oh, nice. And so that was actually pretty cool. And then... I, I wound up like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to listen to a podcast because I was just waiting for some of my stuff to dry. I was, I was waiting for some of my clothes to wash for jujitsu the next day. Oh, yeah. And so I was playing until, you know, playing for a little bit and then I was going to go put them in the dryer and go to bed. And uh, I turned it on, turned on a podcast and uh, started playing Elite Dangerous, uh, a space flying game. And I was just running around, just hauling cargo, 
round. It was real relaxing. Build some credits while you're listening to the podcast. Yeah, super easy. So that's if, what's up. If you guys ever want to do that with us, you know, I suggest you log on to Xbox, download the Spotify app or something like that. Turn on the Geekies podcast. Hey, there you go. Yeah, listen to us. Listen to us while you're playing Minecraft. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or, or something. I don't know. Exactly. Um, I also wanted to bring up uh, uh, something, you know, a little venture that I've not talked to Josh about. I'm kind of springing on him now, but uh, I'm going to call it Vision Quest. And that's, hey, if you guys want to uh, join the our crew with our Patreon, as little as one dollar a month, okay, you can you can join our crew. And you know what? All, all that money we're going to put towards Josh's LASIK surgery. Because we talked about it last time, and I was thought it was like Vision Quest. That's perfect. We should do that. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> it's kind of like a throwback. It's the Vision Quest to fix my eyeballs. Vis- yeah, because yeah, a quest for you to get Vision. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that is. That uh, we had not spoken on this before. We and, had not. No, it was just. But I also don't seriously know if I want LASIK or not. Oh so. uh, well, Josh, for the for the patrons, for the patron. Okay. Well. So Vision Quest, guys. Vision Quest 2023. Josh. Ultimately. If you're contributing, you're contributing to the creation of right. of this podcast and associated content, bonus content that we'll be coming out with, you know, helping fund, you know, new audio gear potentially, um, maybe some, you know, camera gear for future adventures out looking yeah. for, you know, cryptids or something, Ooh. depending. Uh, but who knows? Yeah. Um, so yeah, join our Patreon. Uh, so that sounds way cooler. All that bonus content and things we're planning on bringing your way. Plus, uh, yeah. you know, real close to having a our uh, Discord server done, where we can uh, start building a community of geeks to talk about all sorts of cool topics over there. And you kind of fit in with your glasses there, so maybe we should just leave it like that. All right, Mister Good Eyesight. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Give us a follow on there. Or, sorry, join the crew. Pay a dollar a month, and uh, yeah, yeah we'll, we we would love to have you. Yeah. Welcome to the crew. Uh, this week, Josh, we're geeking out about. Well, you uh, mentioned that podcast you were listening to, mm-hmm. and what that happened to be about is the Virginia UFO incident and the associated documentary called "Moment of Contact." Moment of Contact. So, yeah, you you told me about it. I'd I had seen it like while surfing Amazon a few times, trying to find something to watch um, with the wife. And I didn't think she would enjoy it too much, mm. but she's just going to fall asleep anyways. So is she the type to fall asleep in documentary things like that? Or she likes them. She definitely wants to watch them, but you know, she works hard all day with kids and being an artist and doing cool stuff. And right. so That's she gets, true. she gets all tuckered out. And so she That's does, true. she does fall asleep typically when we're trying to watch stuff in the evenings, even though she doesn't want to, she'll like, you know, she, yeah, she really has to tune in. Right. Yeah, my wife has to do the same thing. She'll, she works very hard as well. And so it's, it's tough. You know, we'll maybe watch a little bit of a YouTube video or something in the evenings, but it's not long before, especially when she gets home and eats dinner, then she's, she's passing out. Yeah, she's, she's, and I don't out. blame her. I don't blame her either. And so, um, yeah, so I was like, hey, babe, Josh wants to, wants to do an episode on this. So we, you know, got to watch. She didn't care at all. She's like, okay, yeah. that's fine. I'll- and she fell asleep, but <laughs> I watched it. I was already interested just from like, not every single documentary on aliens gets me going. And, and as a throwback 
we've already done an alien episode, right? And that was kind of our like... That's kind of a general overview of the topic on yes. aliens as a thing. That was just kind of like a really far out look at it without... And we told you that we were going to get into specific incidents. And this is the first episode where we're doing that. Right. And so I was happy to do it, excited to do it. And just watching the documentary trailer, I was like, I'm interested. So um, it takes place in Virginia, Brazil. Yes. 1996 in January. Interesting. It's not a huge city by any stretch. And one of the things I thought was interesting when I was looking at it today, I was like, I wonder where Virginia's at because I'm a, you know, I pretend to be Brazilian one hour a day when I roll around. (laughs) When you're doing jujitsu. When I do jujitsu. And um, you know, it's like in a perfect triangulation. It's like triangulated between, well, it's on the line in between Sao Paulo, Rio de Janeiro, and Belo Horizonte. Yeah. And which are all big cities. Right. And I really just wanted to say Belo Horizonte because I know how to say it. <laughs> uh, so I um, shout out to the guy that came and trained from Belo Horizonte at my gym. But, um, I was like, oh, interesting. That makes more sense why something would be flying over. If there was something flying over there, if there were aliens and they were like, hey, let's go check out what Brazil is doing, Mm -hmm. you know, fly by there. Because there's huge, huge, huge cities there. Yeah. I think Belo Horizonte is the one that people don't probably know about as much unless they're. I've never heard of it. Yeah. And it's it's 2.2 million people. And I don't know how many people are in Sao Paulo or Rio, but a lot. And especially it's, it's not, I think. Carnival starts in February mm. and they're probably loading up for that, you know, right. so there's probably a lot of people out. I think they just probably had a celebration in January there too. And it was probably a, a pretty happening place to be. Right. That so, makes sense. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, kind of, we'll maybe do kind of a, a quick sort of overview and then dive into some of the details. But essentially um, on one afternoon, January 20th, 1996 um i would have only been five at the time i'm seven yeah you were seven by that point yeah well ish i don't know i mean i was born in 89 yeah you would have been six oh i'm all mathed out it's fine but anyway we were kids at that time um but apparently there's just this one day and i'm trying to remember if they said if there was like a storm that was happening or something i can't remember but essentially, a lot of the the townsfolk witnessed a, you know, what was being called a UFO crash in the city. Well, outside, or, the, outside city. the city. Outside sorry. the city. There was a, it, it, there's some farmland nearby. There was some far, There was some pe- people who had seen the UFO acting erratically while hovering over the city. That, yeah, that's what then, I mean. They, they saw it from the city, but then it, it crashed outside. And then the farm. There was there was a there was a farmers who had seen it and they, they had seen where it looked like it had been tear, torn open and was struggling and then it wound up crashing on the outskirts. They of, mentioned of about it like looking like it was wobbling in the air. It was one of the best descriptions I've ever heard of like somebody saying like a craft was struggling when, when they said it looked like a washing machine that was like bouncing yeah. around. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a super good visual. Um, so yeah, it crashes on the outskirts of Virginia and one guy sees it and he kind of thinks it's... Wasn't sure if it was like an airplane. So he starts like going down the road or whatever to find yeah. it. And, you know, several of the folks that described it 
described it typical tip tic tac or cigar shaped UFO. Mm-hmm. They described it as like a, a silver submarine shaped about the size of like a small bus. Yeah. And like a Volkswagen bus kind of thing. Exactly. And you know, it crashes on the outskirts, you know, he gets out, he finds this metal, it, it crumples in a weird way when he looks at it. Cause he's, I guess he picked it up because of the way it looked Yeah, and horrible, horrible, horrible ammonia stench that he couldn't get out of his nose for so long. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he did an interview on the news for it and he really kind of didn't do anything else until the moment of contact documentary crew came through and then they yeah. met so up he, with him. The, the, this guy's particular story, he basically went and saw this crash and he wasn't there long before, uh, some, the mil- I think it was, the, it was mil- the, military. the military showed up yeah. and said, you have to leave. Yeah. And he was just like, what's going on? What is this? You know, why'd I leave? And then they like, it wasn't until they pointed their guns at him and they're like pointing their rifles at him saying like, you like leave now. Which I love Brazil and I love Brazilians, but if a Brazilian police officer or soldier points their gun at you, it's not like the U S <laughs> you might get shot. Yeah. You know, they yeah. don't play around down there. No. So if, if he hadn't left at the time, we probably wouldn't be hearing from him again. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, he, so he left, you know, at threat of being shot and then went and yeah, just did a quick little interview with the police that day. Oh, news crews that day. Or, I mean, that's what I meant to say. Yeah. The news crews that day. And it wasn't until, you know, I guess 20, it, was, it would have been, how long, how long ago was 96? My time is that so 20 years ago, 20 plus years yeah, ago. But, yeah. but basically there's a 20 year, 20 something year gap between that interview and the next time he like ever talked about it with anybody yeah, in the documentary moment of contact, which uh, to, to clarify to the moment of contact is a, was created by a guy named James Fox. Yes. He's the guy who had this idea and who he, he's the lead researcher on, uh, from this documentary and who, who made this documentary. He's the one who's put the, he's been researching this since then for like 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he initially started out saying that, you know, he had been a UFO researcher for like 30 years or something. And someone mentioned this case to him a couple of times and he just, he thought it was way outlandish. He kept dismissing it. And he's like, I don't even want to give that the time of day, anytime someone to bring it up. And then he was at some kind of event and someone of, you know, high prominence that he highly respected, you know, who had an opinion he highly respected happened to mention it. And that was the point that he was like, well, if this person's talking about it and they're mentioning it, then that's more significance to me. Maybe I need to check this thing out. Yeah. And the further he researched it, the more he dove into it, you know, the more interesting it got to him to the point where he's like, I, I'm going over there. I, I need to talk to these people. I need to find as many witnesses. Cause it's a lot of UFO things you hear about like Roswell or stuff like that. You know, they're so long ago that anybody that was related to him, like most of them are gone. Yeah. And this, just being 96, it's so close that a lot of the people are still alive. Including me. I was alive during That's that true. Time. We weren't there. We didn't see it. We didn't. But, uh, at least not that I remember. I don't think I've been to Brazil. I don't think Mama and Papa took me down to Brazil during 96. But Maybe they wiped our memory, though. That is a good point. That is a good point. The men in black do have their denuralizers. That's right. Um, so we get the crash. Yeah. Right. The military shows up, sends people away does something with the craft or whatever they found. Right. Um, we don't have a lot of stuff on that, but people say they destroyed it or, you know, yeah, took part, you know, took it, they, destroyed uh, the ground afterwards. Yeah, I would say they, like, sanitized the 
the area yeah. as a way to say, you know, like they, they send in the fixers, they send in the yeah, cleaners, the cleaners to Leo, like, you know, it probably had like metal detectors picking up any fragments found in that area kind of stuff. Jokes on them. What if it wasn't metal? You know, there you go. but yeah, they sent them in and then, then you get some of the stuff that happens inside the city where, you know, there's, there's a, there's a few young ladies who that, come that's across the, the stuff, of the city, that's where it's, where it starts to get really weird. So yeah, it crashes on the outskirts of Virginia. The, there's a couple of women walking, two young girls walking through the, like, you know, they're, they're taking a shortcut home or whatever they're crossing. There's between. three of them. There's, well, I thought they came back and got the third person. Oh, did that well. Anyway. Anyways, there's there's several women, right? Yeah. There's two two younger women, and I think they went back and got their mother, who came out again. Um, at, at later, yeah, at later, and they come across and they see this thing, tiny, with large eyes, huddled against a yeah. There's like a big concrete uh, brick wall, yeah. type of thing, and they just see at uh, this little creature, just in a very crouched down, you know, huddled position, up against the wall that looks like it's injured and scared and helpless yeah in a sense and you know they kind of stop obviously you know it's not anything like anything they've seen before yeah and, and they described it as being brown with a horrible smell ammonia yeah, sulfur again, type of thing the worst smell that they've ever smelled couldn't get it lives. out of their nostrils like they talked about yeah like cleaning their nose like you know flushing their nose with like saline and anything else they could think of to try and get to smell it but it would it lasted for like weeks yeah it was just stuck in their sinus cavities and stuff and they saw it and they said it looked scared and then mm-hmm. i think they went and grabbed whoever and they came back they described it as you know they described a footprint that they saw as like having a, only a, three toes yeah, three-toed footprint with the middle toe kind of being longer classic gray alien but brown with with large red eyes, three kind of nodules on the head yeah. and like very minimal, if any nose or mouth, very oily looking skin, very oily skin. Yeah. Very, very strange. And you know, I think, and then I think once it made eye contact with them at one point, I think one of the girls, you know, said that they got scared and that's when they left. They ran away. Yeah. yeah they ran away from it. And it wasn't long after that. A, a Brazilian military police vehicle two two men riding yeah, in it they got a report that you know there's they need to go to this one side of the town they just need to be on the lookout for something strange is what they were told and all of a sudden here comes brown oily man running out as, as far as we're told this is what we're told oh yeah by, yeah, by all by reports folks. this yeah. is all reports right because what happens is one of the officers marco Sherezi, grabs this little tiny thing they just hop out of the car and go and he grabs it bare yeah, hands snatches it uh and they throw it in the car. Throw it in the vehicle. Take it to a couple different, like, take it to one hospital. They're like, no. Yeah. Take it to another one. They're like, get out of here. Yeah. And they take it to, like, the Campinas or whatever, like, medical center. I forget yeah, which one it was. They end up, like, staying there overnight. And then eventually what happened was the Marco Cherisi guy winds up dying of a strange illness. Yeah. He had some kind of strange bacteria strange of bacteria. some kind that they didn't didn't know what it was. You know, how he got it or whatever. You know, he probably could have had, like, a, a you know an open cut on his hand or something. But just making contact with this being got him infected, and it wasn't long, and he was he was gone. Yeah, and so then you get you know the, a recovery of at least two bodies is what they talk about, or at least one live and one dead, and then you have all the people in the and there's people in the hospital that report that they took X-rays of the thing. There are people in the in the military who report driving the things away in a box. You know, like they're. Pe- and then you get reports of the U.S. Air Force coming in and taking, going yeah. to Virginia 
yeah. after they've transported one of the bodies or transported the live one back. There was an air traffic control guy in, yeah. uh, what was that, the, the town that you just mentioned, the one the, that they uh, took it to? Uh, but was it Campinas yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah Campinas. The, the, the air traffic control guy that, you know, he had saw that there was two helicopters that showed up that left and went to um, Virginia, and they left there, and then uh, I guess there was... After a, the U.S. Air Force plane arrived. Yeah, there was reports that yeah, they, uh, witnesses saw them loading a crate onto the helicopters. Those two helicopters fly back and to the other city and unload whatever this thing is onto this U.S. Air Force plane, which didn't have clearance to land. The plane didn't get clearance. You know, air traffic control was you know, telling them they, they can't land. Like, they don't have clearance and stuff. They didn't care. Well, somebody told them, he's like, just let them land. Yeah, that, yeah. And so they just, they landed, they loaded the thing up and left. Yep. No contact with any officials or government or anything. The Brazil government, like, there was no contact or anything. They just showed up, took it, and left. Well, we don't know that there wasn't any contact I guess. from Brazil. Cause they, no official they, they, thing. There's no official the report of them cooperating with the U.S. Air Force during that time yeah. period. Um, and that's kind of the gist of it. You know, you have the strange death. You have the guy who was with Marco Cherezi, another Brazilian military police officer who refuses to speak about the incident. You have several people that report of seeing it. and. Virginia has adopted it in such a way that they have like, they've got alien spaceships. Yeah. They've got There's soft flying like saucers all over town. Yeah, memorials and stuff too, all over the town, restaurants and all kinds of things. Like all, most of the people there are convinced and believe that this event happened. Yeah. Now, when I was watching the documentary, I think it started out a little rough for me. Like it seemed like he was almost like finding his stride as he went. It didn't seem like that well edited at the beginning. Right. And it eventually got better and I enjoyed watching it more. But when they were downtown, a lot of people were saying like, oh, I think they were real. Of course, that's a curated thing. Yeah, you didn't yeah. see every single person they were talking to. That would be like if I spoke to somebody on the side of the street and I'd be like, hey, do you believe in aliens? I only had the people that said, yes, I do. Yeah. You Survey know. says, you know, out of 100 people, two people said, yeah, and those are the two you show. Exactly. Kind of thing. But they showed several people, and a lot of them, you know, were, were speaking to them, and, you know, they had their Portuguese translator and everything yeah. there. Um, I, that part didn't really get me. No. At all. I wasn't like, okay. Yeah. Uh, in like Roswell, right? I'm sure there's people in Roswell that don't believe in aliens, don't believe in UFOs. Uh, it's a much smaller city than Virginia. Yeah. But, um, like it's definitely a good tourist thing for them. Right. And it has been, I think, you know, right. I think they've done well with like their tourism aspect of it. Um, you know, the story is interesting just because I think anytime you start dealing with the Tic Tac shape or cigar shape UFO, it piques my interest slightly more because unless you're talking about just the fuselage of an airplane, there's not a lot that makes sense about one of those flying. Mm -hmm. And it's when one of those that's been reported, like the Tic Tac or cigar shaped UFO is a very, very common, very occurring. common one. Yeah. Right. Very often reported. Yes. That that's what they, a very common shape amongst UFOs. I like to think of like people that are like hoaxers or whatever. Like I think I like to think like the, the basic way to go would be flying saucer, little green men. Yes. Yeah. Classic saucer shape. So this guy, you know, in the movie, we talk about the guy who sees the crash, right? Right, which that, to me, was one of the, that was one of those moments in it that it really kind of, like, I felt added some legitimacy 
to what was going on. Yeah, I was 50-50 on it, you know, because it did take him a second to find it. Now, he didn't live, he's not from the area. He was traveling to, um, he was traveling to Virginia or through Virginia when he saw the, when he saw the collision, when he saw the, 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 yeah. the aircraft crash. And, um, so he's not super familiar with the area. It would make less sense to me if it was like a local local who's like, well, everything's changed. I can't see it. This guy was like a lot of st- everything. A lot of stuff has changed. I'm not sure where it's at. You know, the yeah. fact that there was a white house nearby gave it, lended it a little bit of credibility to me. Yeah. Um, you know, but like to me, seeing his reaction, his like emotional, yeah, reaction to it. That once you like, he hadn't been in that spot in 20 something years, and then once he was back there, that you could tell that he's just. It was like he was repicturing it all in his mind. He was reliving that moment, and he got like very emotional. And he was the first person unprompted. Now he was one of the first people interviewed. But he was one of the he was the one of the, he was the first person unprompted to mention the smell and how bad it was. Mm-hmm. And I think that he mentioned stuff leaking out of it as well. I don't remember some type of fluid, maybe. Um, you know, he did have a very, very like kind of guttural reaction to being back on the scene of this this site. You know, quote unquote site. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you'd have to be a decent actor. I think you'd have to like really, you'd have to do it. Definitely, if he was faking it, it wasn't his first take. No. Like, there's no way he did that without warming up. You know I, what I'm saying? Yeah, me, I, I personally, I personally wholeheartedly believe that he believes what he saw. At, sure. at least, sure. Like, I, I also part of me also believes that that you know, what he saw did happen. Yeah. Like I, I'm pretty convinced of it, but I also, I like a hundred percent am convinced that he at least believes what he saw happened. Yeah. I think it is definitely compelling when his testimony, because at first it's like, Oh, this is kind of getting old. Now I'm glad that they showed kind of like how hard it was for them to get there and figure out where it was, because yeah. that lends a little bit more credibility to them than rather than just showing up and saying, it happened this right is here. It. it was right. Pretty, like it was pre-set up the or something. The fact that we, yeah. he kept getting out of the car, he's like, no, this isn't it. There was like a white house nearby and blah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah. And, you know, then we get the artist recreation or the, like the animated recreation of where it happened at. Yeah. And it makes more sense. And I heard, uh, was it James is his name? The guy mm-hmm. that's doing it. I heard him talking about um, that he had spoken to like a geologist and they're like that area. There was some type of weird, like when they watched the, the documentary that they're like, that area right there is really unique because of X, Y, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. Um, I will say this though, and this is kind of like preempting all that. I don't know why James wouldn't be more interested in it because it is such a, a more recent thing. It, like if I hear about something happening in another country, I'm more interested than if I hear it happening in the it, US. It was just how fantastical the claims were on it. That he even said in his, uh, he was on uh, Joe Rogan. That's yeah. where I've heard about it was yeah. I was watching that. Um, and he when he talked about it on there, um, about how yeah, again, that looking back on it now, that he found it was crazy that someone who had been literally their thing was studying UFOs and who had been doing it for thirty years, when anybody would mention that, they're like, I mean, you know, I study UFOs, but that's a little crazy yeah. kind of thing, you know? They, what do you mean, like they've they captured these beings and like the police arrested them and like. All this and these girls like ran into all this stuff. It seems crazy, but then yeah, again, it was that's once they looked into it. That's not that fantastical to me, though. That's why I guess what I'm trying to say is like when we talk about Roswell and Little Green Men and like people like the government coming and taking things away and maybe live creatures and then taking the aircraft away. 
everything's the same except there's just a little bit more of it. There's more civilians that are there because right. it's in a urban environment. It's not just out in the middle of the Nevada desert. Yes. And so I think that's one of those things or New Mexico, um, Roswell, New Mexico. Oh, you're right. <laughs> so the, um, I'm just playing devil's advocate some on this oh, of course. because, you know, I think it has to be done. I think people have to look at it through that lens if you want to, to be credible. And I think that's one of the things, like I said, I like that he added in how hard it was for him to find it. Right. Um, well, that's the unfortunate thing about the entire topic of UFOs, UAPs, aliens, extraterrestrials, any of that stuff that 95% of it, 99% of it that you stuff see out there is either stuff that can be debunked or, you know, proven false or, or just again, hoaxers Yeah, stuff that, you know, a trick of the eye, a trick of the camera, this or that or whatever. But it's really the special cases like this and those like 5% of other sightings and stuff that you, there's just, there's either too much evidence or you, there's not enough evidence to claim yeah. either way, you know, that it, you can't just dismiss it because of too much evidence or you can't, you know, disprove it because how little evidence there is or something. Yeah. Um, so I like the first guy and then we get into the actual incident with the children. Mm-hmm. inside the inside Virginia proper yeah where they're running around and you know they see this they see this thing right they describe it as like this weird look first of all what would you do in that situation if you were if you were in some I if you were like no walking man. around downtown or like here and you're going to your car or something and like you just look over and you literally see what they describe this hunched down little thin big eyed red slimy like i feel like i would initially just freeze out of like fear or something i'm not i'm not gonna say i wouldn't freeze because i think that's like a little bit too you know bravos of me to say that i wouldn't right but i think like i think when i was a younger man i would have been like i'm gonna kill it (laughs) does that make sense yeah and now i i've actually had this thought some in my life where I was like, you know, especially, you know, some of the work for the government and everything that's happened, you know, I've done in the past. I've like, well, what if I did come across something? Right. Um, unknown, like unknown that. like that. I'm like, well, I, I don't think I need to point a gun at it. You know, like maybe yeah. I need to be like, Hey, are you you're, like, I'm here to help. At, like at, and I, that's the thing at, at, at one point, you know, even just maybe a, a handful of years ago, if I would have seen that, that, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm sure I had talked about it in their aliens episode that, you know, so much of my childhood and life and stuff was, I had so many nightmares about being abducted by aliens mm. and they've always been one of my biggest like fears because of that like anytime I would be outside at night, I would always get that like jitteriness that just kind of, that kind of feeling, you know, that people talk about if you live in a home with stairs and you turn the light off downstairs and you have to run upstairs really quick because yeah. you just feel like something's chasing you. Just that, that general feeling. But anytime I was outside in the dark. Mm. kind of thing because it's just the open, open sky above you um, and that's something that's you know stuck with me through a lot of my life even in a lot of my adult life but it's even just been in the past number of years where I've really tried to shift my perspective on that and kind of realized that most of that fear was you know predicated based on you know Hollywood and things that sure you know media and stuff had well because they're into me they're almost always antagonists exactly. of some sort aliens are almost always antagonists of some sort so i think as a younger man i probably wouldn't like 
uh, you ain't you know, probing me. I am the law. And like, just yeah. gone judge dread on it and been like, well, obviously I'm going to, but yeah. in real world, like if, if, if an alien, if aliens, like an extraterrestrial species is here, right. And they're able to cover long distances and I was to blast it, it would be just like, you know, people are afraid of going to like Sentinel Island, North Sentinel Island, because there's a lot of pe- people that yeah. are living there, primitive lifestyle. Yeah. And you can't get close to it without them shooting you full of bows and arrows. Yeah. At some point, right, that they're either going to go there, somebody's going to go there and they're going to be like, we're bringing guns with us. And because yeah. every time we go there, some dude shoots our buddy with an arrow. Right. Or throws a spear into them. It's the same thing. If if somebody right. can travel vast distances well, that's across it, the cosmos. If they're able to do that, then like if, if they were antagonistic and threats to us. And again, if, you know, like you say, they're able to travel that far, taking us out wouldn't be, you know, an effort at all. Well, yeah, you know, maybe hand to hand combat or whatever, right. you know, maybe like, you know, in a shooting match with an unarmed alien, right. I think I would win. Or especially if they're not the skin's not bulletproof. But with that said, like, you know, if if you're gonna go there, you know, if right. they're gonna come here in force, you know, they're like, Well, we wanna we actually wanna have a mine here. Yeah. You know, or if you know, if somebody realized they did some like kind of like, you know, ground penetrating radar from a plane as they were flying over North Sentinel Island, they realized it was sitting on the largest gold reserve. Right. Right. Because of the reputation that North Sentinel Island has, they're going to go there. They're not going to go there with gifts. They're going to go there with AKs or a, you know, M4s or like that. Right. right. They're going to go there with weapons because they're expecting trouble. Right. And probably a lot of the North Sentinelese people are going to die in the process. And I think that is a concern that I have because like, you know, obviously it's it's like a zero, 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 one percent chance that, that a it's real and then b that i would i would run into that situation if it is real yeah but yeah i think as a as an adult now where i'm at now mm-hmm. i don't think i would touch it but i think i yeah. would i think i would have to say maybe if you're kind to it but that's again. yeah my first reaction now i i would i would hope that my obviously i think i would freeze just due to my past and my thoughts about it I don't think I could help but have a little bit of freeze, but I would hope that I would be able to fight through that enough to, and my, my first real reaction to be, to try to make contact yes. of some kind, to talk to it, you know, say, do you, do you need help? You know, we come in peace. And, and from what I understand, most aliens speak English. And that's just something... Right. From what I understand, most aliens, every movie I've ever seen. Right. They, I mean, it, all, all, truthfully, like, I wouldn't be surprised. It's one of those things that, like, I don't know, I, I might would just try to think it at it, yeah. you know, and see if it could pick that up. Well, in listening to that podcast, too, apparently the, the one of the girls reported that it, it was inside of her head and said, right. I'm scared. That That's where it wasn't so much that, like, it was half kind of seeing it, but she was getting this emotion kind of mentally that it was scared and, and hurt and stuff that that was somehow being transmitted some kind. Now these girls all have very vivid depictions of this thing. Yeah. Of whatever this creature is. They all have very vivid depictions of like what this thing looked like. Another person came and saw the footprints, right? It was, it was definitely, you know, um, and the, their stories are all pretty similar. Yeah. Right. And they were within, 
10 feet of it. Yeah. They were close. Very close. Close, close, close. Right. You know, smelling distance close because they all reported how bad it smelled. The Brazilian government, when they did their study in 2010, just said, oh, that, that was Modinho, the, an autistic kid who likes to squat down and, and study things. <laughs> That's what they said. A mute autistic person. Right. And um, there are pictures of Modinho. I think Modinho means like a little mute or something like that oh. in Portuguese. In Portuguese. And uh, so they said, yeah. That's, that's what it is. It was the girls didn't see a creature. They saw Modinho and you know, maybe he was unshowered or mm. whatever. There are pictures of Modinho. He's kind of like a skinny dude. He definitely likes to squat down and like, <laughs> he's a squatter. Well, he, he does. He like, apparently like that's his thing. Like he finds stuff and he just like plays with it or whatever, Yeah, you know? And I would think that women who lived in that area would probably, who cut through there probably on the regular, yeah. would probably know that that's Modinho. And I think they'd be able to tell somebody of their own ethnicity, their own race, yeah. nationality from their own town. Like if it was, if it was from one witness, creature. If it's one witness, sure, you might get attributed that. But and during the daytime. Yeah. This wasn't at nighttime. No. It wasn't like Modinho had found a pair of sunglasses at right. nighttime and they looked over and they saw big eyes. No, this yeah. was another Brazilian man, Yeah, you know, who's. Same skin tone, you know, same language. Well, he doesn't speak, he's me, yeah. but you know, same features, yeah, and probably wearing human clothes or like they, you know, apparently sometimes he wears a diaper or something like that. But every picture right. I've seen of him, he was wearing like clothes, right? So the likelihood that it was like Modinho and the likelihood that four people would mistaken it in broad daylight, yeah. It's very unlikely. So I actually, that's an issue where I find some problems with what the Brazilian government has said, because it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. That doesn't, that's not the most uh, compelling argument on their behalf. Now people, I've seen skeptics who said, well, that's just Modinho. They mistook a dude uh, named Modinho for an alien. Mm -hmm. And when you look at Modinho, I'm like, how? It doesn't make any sense. And I don't mean this, I'm not trying to be mean in any certain way, but he, he does not like physically to def- like, you know, there were some people out there with some like, you know, if you were, if you were one of those girls and you had never seen somebody with like elephantitis. Right. 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 And you came over there and you saw that somebody, would look alien. That would yeah. look alien to you if you weren't familiar with it. Right. Mm-hmm. You would get that kind of like, oh, pitchfork and grab your torches and like, what is it? We don't understand it. Right. Yeah. And. But again, this also isn't like in the 20s or 30s. This is 96. Yes. This like, is 1996. And we're in the, modern times. Yeah. And then the, the pictures that were, the, or the well, you know, what the mother believed was that there was like three toes, you know, like one really long, one too long. And yeah. she even was like, hey, I don't know. I didn't really look at his feet much, but these are the footprints that were left behind. But then again, we get the common denominator throughout all of this, which is horrible, horrible smell. Yeah. So that lends, why do aliens smell like ammonia, Josh? I don't know, and it's this is one of the first times that I've I've heard many alien related stories and accounts and stuff. And this is one of the first ones that I particularly remember hearing or yeah hearing about a smell like that, a smell being present and to such a potent degree. Now, not playing skeptic, to me, you know, I've been in some situations. I've been in some scary situations. Um, I don't remember smells all the time, but I do remember them when they're terrible. Yeah. So, you know, I've been around people who have been dead. You know, I've been around a lot of people that have died. I've been around decay and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And so, like, if I say, well, I found some bodies, right? Mm -hmm. 
I would obviously be like, and it was horrible. You know, like the stench was bad. You know, yeah. it, it definitely comes back in my memory. Or I might not mention it, which happens a few times. And then when prompted, I would be like, oh, yeah, it was bad. I put an air freshener in my mask because they're right. melting into the ground or whatever. You right. Know, like they're bad. Um, so, you know. What we saw of Virginia looked like it was not like, you know, there are parts of Rio, like, you know, when you talk about the favelas and like the, like the wealth disparity there and, and that kind of thing, I imagine that there's a smell in some of the favelas that is potent oh, sure. and terrible, but this was not like a high end area by any stretch, but it looked fairly clean. Like there was yeah. not like, you know, there was probably some natural smells in the area, but the fact that Mr. I think in amongst that. That this smell stood out so yes, that's a good point. Potently, yeah, that's right. It was it was such a like a, like a in like a in nice clean pristine town or something like that. Then any smell would probably be stand out more. Yeah, kind of thing. But even in this place, it still did. Yeah, and so yeah, they they smell this. They smell this. You know, alien for lack of a better term, right? Mm-hmm. And they smell it, and they're like, "What is that?" And they report that, and then we get Marco Shrazy. Right, who not the timeline apparently is pretty quick to when the late girls run off. Yeah, to the time that Marco Tracy and his partner, and I forget what his partner's name is, mm-hmm. um, they see this thing run across in front of them, according to what people are saying. Yeah, and they capture it. And like again, like I, my first reaction wouldn't be just to go hands on with it. Like if if you know, I'm thinking this thing's from some other place. Like, I mean, even just like any wild animal, I'm not going to touch it without gloves, you know? Cause well, like, who knows what, I mean, I guess in, in, in the, the, in, in, the, the 1990s, ha- in the haste of the moment, you know, if it was running away or something, you'd probably just be as quick as you can. Yeah. That, and I think that's what was probably going on in the 1990s, you know, especially a military police officer in Brazil, you know, I'm sure they, you know, obviously they can't, gloves but you know that's not a common procedure probably yeah you know they're not i think like you know in the 90s you know there there were some issues with you know people being worried about bodily fluids and that type of things but you know in in brazil particular there wasn't like a lot of you know intravenous narcotic usage right right there wasn't a lot of iv narcotics or you know that kind of thing and so i imagine it's it's not one of those things that they're really quick to put on gloves when they come across something like that. And yeah. they are, um, you know, I'll be honest, like I said earlier, <laughs> Brazilian police and Brazilian soldiers, uh, they go through a lot, especially cause uh, you know, there are military, there's like, you know, they have set, they have, they have state police, they have military police, you know, who have like jurisdiction where they're able to operate and enforce laws like federal laws. Mm. And so there's, there's several different police agencies, uh, within Brazil, uh, similar to like some of the other Latin American countries and sure. Or like, you know, like France, like France has like, you know, they have like local police, but then they also have like the gendarme, which is like a federal, like, you know, federal military police essentially. And in the same way, like they get stuff done, you know, they're, um, they deal with a lot. You know, you you can find videos on YouTube of them in, in situations that are pretty harrowing. And, you know, I think that also adds to like, oh, it makes sense that one of them would just go snatch this thing. Right. I mean, you're, again, military police, you've given orders to go search for something strange. And like, you you see that and you're going to instantly know, 
that's probably the strange thing we're looking for. Yeah. And so, you know, that's your orders are to get it. So you're probably going to do anything you can to fulfill those orders and get this thing. Yeah. So we don't get to hear from the other soldier, the other military police officer, because he will not do interviews and they go to his house and he's like, yeah, they go to try and visit him to try and talk to him. Like if this is about the UFO, no. Yeah, he just immediately shuts him down. Just and, and, no. And James went with some people. Like I think he went with the mayor. He went with the mayor. He out went there. with the mayor of Virginia, who believes the incident occurred. And he went with like somebody the mayor was related to, who was also a local yeah, attorney, like one of his nephews or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And so they go there, and he refuses to talk. He's got a gun in his hand the whole time. He's like and shaking he, his finger at them to like like nope. I'm and not going to talk to you. He's like, you know, get off my lawn. He goes full Grand Torino on yeah. him. And it's just like, not happening today. And so I do think it's interesting. So I think it's interesting. A, like we don't have anything from, from the partner. We don't know anything about what his side of the story mm-hmm. is. But we also don't have him just saying, like, you think he would have some stuff recorded or out there. It would be just like, no, nothing happened. And what, what I think kind of happened with him too is uh, going back to the the girls that saw it and that you know they brought their mother out who mentioned the footprints and stuff later on like that night the mom talked about that these guys showed up at their house yeah it was either that night or the next day yeah, right yeah that these guys showed up in like suits and stuff but like they just they didn't look like cops they didn't look like so they were know, Americans military people they they just looked like regular people but they came in and basically tried to bribe her and told her you know not to talk about this. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you saw nothing. This didn't happen. You know, just forget that any of this thing, don't bring it up, don't talk about it or anything, and had just a suitcase that they had with them. I don't know if they actually opened it to show it was in or not, but they had a suitcase with them, probably, you know, with money or something. I think they said that, I think they mentioned that it could be money, that it could be hers kind of thing, but she just denied it and all this stuff because she didn't want to say that her daughters were liars. You know, she didn't want to come out and and label them as liars. She didn't think that was right, so she refused it. And then they kind of left it. They walked outside, and she went to kind of follow them, and their car was gone, and they were nowhere in sight. And so my suspicion is that they went and talked to this other MP, and he took the deal. You know, he they went and said, you didn't see anything, don't talk about this. And he was like, all righty, I will take you up on that offer. And that's where he's at right now. Yeah, you know, it is very interesting. You know, it makes, but to me, part of the skeptical, my, my skeptical mind says also like, hey, why not um, just have him come out there? Like, because it's more, I mean, obviously it brings more attention to the case, but you would have thought in the investigation that occurred in 2010, Right where the military came out with a 372-page paper on the incident, and they kind of had convenient answers for everything that happened in 1996, and that's one of the skeptics point to. They say, "Well, they've got answers for this and this and this, and how they're all unrelated." How do you do that from that many that far away? Right, almost you know 20 something years ago. So that's also confusing for me. But why wouldn't you bring him in and have his statement and have him be like, "Okay, it's okay to talk to people. You just got to say." Nothing happened because one of the official stories is, is that Marco Cherese had like a cyst under his armpit that he was planning to get a surgery and it was pre-planned surgery on hmm. and that he got an infection from that surgery a couple of weeks later. And that's how he passed away was from sepsis. 
Right. Um, but then, you know, on the devil's advocate of that, like maybe those are falsified records and appointments. That's pretty easily, that's pretty yeah, easy that's to do. That's pretty easy to falsify that and that's come pre- up with a, a backstory. We also get some of his family members, not his, I don't think it was his wife. Well, his wife was involved. Yes, yeah. it was actually his his wife and other folks who were involved. His in, daughters, and particularly his, too, we're talking about. They talked about it as well. So, you know, there is something to like, hey, let's have a hero or do whatever. But, you know, I don't understand why they would continually put themselves through the stress. A lot of people say, well, they don't have any reason to fake things. I hear that a lot. Yeah. I hear people say, well, they, they, nothing good's going to come from that. You hear what that with Bob Lazar, you know? Yeah. Nothing good happens from it. There are just some people who want to be interesting. Yeah. To be honest, you know, there is always a reason for somebody to fake something, even if it has some detriment to them, you know? Yeah. I say I'm allergic to bananas. <laughs> I'm not. I just don't like bananas. And so instead, people are like, well, I'm not going to give you banana pudding. And maybe I would love banana pudding. You would. It's so good. I doubt it. But I don't like them, <laughs> right? It's the same kind of thing. I do it because I don't I don't feel like answering the questions like, why, why don't you like bananas? Have you ever had this? Right. You know, it's the same thing. People will, we talked about in our Bigfoot episode, some police officers from Georgia, some, some yeah. goons down there. That's a prime example. Who faked having guys. a Bigfoot. They got nothing out of it except for fired from their jobs. Now, had they have not got fired from their job, had they have just claimed it was seeing something, you know, they're like, well, we, you know, they just saw something and that's the end of it. And they would have their story like nothing good ever happens from this. But people, some people just want to be interviewed on a documentary. Some people just want to have they something going on. There are five people, minutes of fame. Some people are insane. Some people have mental health issues. Right. Right. That, a lot of those one-offs that can, you know, could, I guarantee a lot of them could be attributed to things like schizophrenia or, you know, some kind of hallucinations of some kind, whether it be, you know, illicit drugs or other types of uh, causes. But again, with as many as those are, every now and then there's those ones where there's too many witnesses and too many corroborating stories of the same event happening and it it's a, it's enough credible evidence that you can't really attribute it to any of those other causes and you kind of have to give a little weight behind it you do I, I you know one of the things i find especially from ufo researchers like you know you get your jeremy corbell or mm-hmm. this james guy you know they they suddenly become experts on human behavior mm. and that is a red flag to me when they're like he's telling the truth well, he's not like we don't know that he's telling the Mm-hmm. You know, the truth is between that person and what they saw. And sometimes it's between that person and actual reality and what actually happened. And so, um, you know, the fact that their family would continually put themselves through things in this, including the wife who was interviewed shortly afterwards, you know, young, she was like a young, beautiful lady. They hadn't been married long. And she's like, you know, yeah. She wants to have answers for it. Why would she need answers if he just got a cyst and had sepsis? Right. Right. Then in her head, that would be an easily plausible outcome to that. But, you know, his family who knows him so well and knows those kinds of things, if they're trying to get answers and failing at them and getting frustrated by it, then that would lead you to believe that it wasn't some pre-existing condition that, you know, 
was already around that finally just took its toll on him. It wasn't until this event happened and he grabbed that thing and became sick from it that stuff started happening. The second thing we haven't mentioned is that the the second creature was captured. Yeah, there was multiple bodies reported. Was captured by the fire department. And when they show the video of the fire department speaking about the capture of the creature, what are they holding? An animal catcher. They have like a... Oh, they have right. one of those noose things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the little like the rods with like the the rope that like extends and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Like you're catching a rabid dog. Like you're catching yeah, a yeah. dog. It was like a dog like catcher. A coyote or like, something. It yeah. was a catch. It's called a catch pole. Actually, is what the name of it's called. Yeah. Literally, what it is a pole that catches things. So it was a catch pole, and they're showing that off. And so they never actually. That's one thing that bothered me was they never tracked down anybody from the fire department in this to to corroborate how that went or talk about it more. And I would have liked to at least seen that been stonewalled it, it, as well. It very well, yeah, could have been one of those cases where they just kept hitting a bunch of dead ends and couldn't find any leads, and so they just omitted it so that you weren't just running into dead ends over and over again, in, at least you know in the documentaries, because it's still a production. But, you know, there, there potentially could have been a lot more research that just wasn't included in that. But um, how was it that... One of the other ones winded up at the hospital. Well, I think that's the other one that was captured. There was two that yeah. were captured, yeah. right? Because because the official story is right. All this hospital hubbub was a couple with dwarfism who were going into labor. <laughs> oh my god! Right. So once again, now I get it. I get people saying, "Well, they think it was a bigfoot and it was actually a black bear." Yeah. Right. Because it's a big hairy thing walking. Yeah. Right. But this is 1996. People understand what people with dwarfism look like. And we're talking about, you know, it's not somebody from North Sentinel Island, right? If, and, you know, this is just me being honest. If you're somebody from North Sentinel Island, right, and you've never seen someone with melanin in their skin, mm-hmm. that's probably really confusing. Just the same as when you have some of those Amazonian tribes from yeah. Brazil, the first time they see a white man, Right. Papua New Guinea. They see a white man. They say, whoa, why is this person not having any melanin in their skin? Right. It's a confusing thing. We're talking about local people who possibly have dwarfism. Right. Right. They they would probably be part of the community. People would know who they were. Yeah. There's no that's what I'm saying. There's no like that is a silly argument. They're like, well, how do we explain to like, you know, two smaller stature folks? Oh, well, there's two people with dwarfism. Right. We're going into labor at the hospital. And um then we get the account of the doctor. Then we get the account of the doctor. Who the X-ray? Are you talking about the X-ray technician? Yeah, yeah X-ray technician. Where he takes it wasn't through. They, they so he was in the hospital, and then the like the military comes in with a stretcher and a like a body bag zipped up on this stretcher, and they wheel it back there, and they basically just like force their way into this room, and they tell this guy take X-rays of this, and they kind of just like you know. And I'm pretty sure some of the guys had like the military, the militaries that had like guns and everything. And they're like, take, you're taking x-rays of this. And so he's like, okay. I mean, what are you going to, you're not going to say no. Yeah. And so he takes x-rays, but through the body bag, they didn't let him open the bag. Yeah. And so he takes it through the bag and normally being an x-ray technician, you take the x-rays, you develop them and you, you know, you check to see if it worked. Yeah. You know, cause that's how x-ray tech, you had the films and all this stuff back then. You would check it to see if it dealt, but they didn't even let him Check them. Check it. Yeah. They immediately just took them, and then when they took it, and then they left. Because because nowadays, like now, as you're doing an X-ray, because I know because my son's had a million of them. With, yeah. My son has a congenital heart disease, and so, um, 
when they did ex- chest x-rays and stuff on him all the time, you, you'll see it, you know, like they take a picture of him and it instantly pops up yeah. on the screen. And unfortunately I've gotten kind of good at reading those. Like, oh man, there's some fluid on his lungs, right. you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. You, so back then, yeah, you would have to develop the film or do mm-hmm. whatever. And so they take it, they take the film and they go, I think that he is got, a little... He also mentioned the smell. that They had to close down a wing of the hospital because the smell was so bad. Yeah, they had to close out the x-ray rooms because of the smell. Now, that was a prompted question. That was one of the only ones that was True. really a prompted question. We're like, can you tell me about the smell? But it was an open-ended question where the subject, where the right. guy, where this ER technician was like, oh, smell was horrible. And he, they all described it as like sulfur, rotten egg, ammonia type things. Yeah. So that that... Again, that account I think was very valuable as well of a prominent, you know, person of the hospital making that statement and stuff. And yeah, that just not being able to even like open the bag or see anything. And what, and like they mentioned that there was a guy there that had a camera, but he just kind of had it down by his waist. Like he, he wasn't actively using well, yeah, it. Yeah, it was so it was the transport soldier. One of the one of the soldiers who was driving the transport truck said he came in, he saw the creature's legs or something mm-hmm. on the on the table, mostly covered up. And there was one soldier in there with with like a video camera that was slung and like just kind of hanging down. And I mean that makes sense. Like if he got there, there was probably the people that were probably taking the initial like video of everything, probably, you know we're already done filming, you know, it'd be right. a little weird. Like if three hours later, this guy was still doing like a whole yeah. filling up a VHS tape with it. Right. So, um, yeah, they get there. He also, I think he also mentioned a smell, mm-hmm. how bad it smelled. And he took that one. So from what, what, what I think was, if, if I remember correctly, that was the one that Marco Terese probably caught. And the one the fire department caught with the catch pole, I think lived. And I think yeah. the one that Marco Terese caught wound up, wound up dying. Yeah. Quote unquote, you know, of course. As they say. And then, yeah, then you've got uh, the other thing that I think is interesting too about this. One of the things that like, gets me going, and this is, it is a US made documentary, but the fact that the US is involved in it. Now, mm-hmm. we have a lot of foreign listeners, right? And um, I don't think the US is the center of the U- universe, right? No. There are a lot of amazing cultures out there. Um, I, and I, you know, the Brazilians are very proud of their culture and of their, you know, their nation. And I find it interesting that the U.S. would intervene, be, would be able to go down there yeah. essentially unmolested, right? And, and, you know, and take over this, you know, incident, assume control. Yes. Because, um, and, you know, a lot of people attribute that to, well, you know, because of things like Roswell or who knows how many other events that, you know, the U.S. has the infrastructure and the capabilities to deal with such a thing, you know, whether it be crash retrieval or, you know, body retrieval and housing or something like that, that, you know, we have all these facilities set up in some, you know, deep underground military base, whereas like Brazil, they just don't have that infrastructure. They don't have any of that stuff set up. And so the U.S. was, it, it only made sense for them to come in and exfiltrate what they could. Yeah. And, you know, I see that, you know, it does make us sound like we're like, oh, well, Brazil doesn't know what they're doing, blah, 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 blah. I think if they were like, well, we don't, that makes sense. Right. I think, you know, obviously the Brazilian doctors are, are, are plenty capable. They're as capable as probably American, any American doctor is, you know, their military 
um, is less experienced in combat. You know, like yeah. Brazil hasn't fought in a, I mean, they went to World War Two, World War One, looks very small contingencies of them when Brazil was still an empire back in the day. I think a Brazilian mm-hmm. empire in like World War One. Um, but if, but if they haven't had like, you know, if they never had a Area 51 type event till then, you know, until you have something like that happen in your country, like there may not be a need to create such a facility to, or, you know, entity to deal with such events, you know, until you have an alien spaceship crash, you know, you're not going to preemptively build a place to house crash spaceships. And it would also make sense that there is, you know, some type of thing. So if there are aliens and if there are UFOs and if we are aware of them and we're not aware of where they come from, and there is some type of defensive pact between North American and South American countries, it would make sense because, um, I mean, obviously there are a lot of rural areas in Brazil, but they're the, the typically particularly the Southwest of the United States that has all those military installations that are so uniquely guarded and so uniquely sequestered that it makes sense that you could bring something there and study. And you could be like, Hey, you know, we'll give you access. We'll do whatever, but this is probably like, do you want to take it to area? Blah, 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 blah. Right. Right. So it's also interesting for so many folks because there was a few people that mentioned Americans coming, you know, mm-hmm. we had, I think the tra- transport truck driver talked about Americans. We had the, with the aircraft controller talking about Americans. We had the lady, the mother who said, you know, being offered money by Portuguese speaking Americans. Right. Um, you know, it is a little American centric and which is interesting to me. For sure. Definitely. Like it, there's, they definitely played a part in some, some capacity. Yeah. Now, I think if it was my, if someone was like, hey, if you say your son's lying, we'll give you a bunch of money. I'm like, okay, hmm. I'll take the money. You know, yeah. I don't, who cares? That's, that's like such a weird statement to me. Like, I don't want people thinking my, my daughters are liars. And I get that to a point, but that's going to blow over. Hmm. You know, it's going to blow over pretty quickly. I've, I'd be conflicted on that. Would you? Yeah. And depending on, if it was like an alien thing specifically, really, like, I, I, I feel like I would stand my ground. I don't know if that I would because I think they would, like, heart, heart attack gun you or something also like that. Also an option, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, I'm pretty sure I could, there's, unfortunately, the, you know, the, the government has a monopoly on violence when it comes to, like, protecting, <laughs> yeah. you know, their secrets and all That's that true. kind of things. And I... I don't know. You know, one of the things I think is funny too, though, is, is, um, and I'm bringing this up because it's something I hear a lot and it's be like, well, if the world knew everybody, everybody would go nuts or if the world, if the world yeah. knew the truth, but that's why they haven't told us is that society would collapse. Why would it collapse? What would lead yeah. to our society collapsing? And that's what makes me, <laughs> sometimes I'm like, oh, do they know we're in a video game? because mm. <laughs> what would make the society collapse unless it was um something that was like okay well there's just no point anymore let's just go do let's just go right let's just go party let's just turn this if into, this exists then yeah what's the point in, yeah in if i'm in a video else? game well, pff, well i'm out you know like yeah. let's just do whatever. i'm gonna level up <laughs> yeah let's, let's just drive as fast as we want grand theft auto yeah you know because i hear that a lot i think a lot of the People who claim that and stuff, they they're a lot of them. I've heard they go down the religious route with that, where it, 
you know, the sheer fact and, you know, possibility of there being life outside of Earth puts into question a lot of religious aspects. I don't think it does at all, though. I think if you're like a Judeo-Christian, the fact that people exist out, like, you believe that God created the universe and everything in it is just You're also a logical thinker. Yeah, I am. Yeah. I am. I feel like there's a lot of people in the world that aren't. But when you make those statements, though, when you make those statements that are so you know, so inflammatory. Like if this, if they find out it's the end of the world, man, people, mm. the society will collapse. I, yeah. I think a lot of that too Soci- falls into that fear mongering. Yes. Aspect again. That yes. we talked about. It's just too, or it makes you wonder, like wonder if the government is, you know, like if we find out we are, you know, I talked about, uh, I talked about one of my books where that I'm trying to write, where I speak about, you know, like we, we turns out we're a part of a galactic federation and we don't know it, you mm. know, Finding out that like our government, we aren't in control and we are subservient and eventually we're going to be asked to do something. And there's no way we can fight it. I think that could be an issue that would lead to societal collapse. Yeah. But I think it would lead to just people. Honestly, there'd be a lot of people that are just like, okay, well, what do we got to do? You know, forks or whatever our alien overlords are called and right. go do it. Cylons. Um, Cylons rebelled, but... Silence are made by man, but they rebelled. Well, so taking it as a whole, what's your what's your gut reaction? My gut. If reaction you had to go one way or the, the other, my gut reaction. Yes or no to the Virginia Brazil UFO moment, incident, UFO, moment of contact, moment of contact is did it happen? Did it not happen? So, <laughs> you know me. I'm this one's I, tough. I'm farther down. You know, you are much more like you know. Like I said, I'm like a I'm like a 51% Bigfoot, 49% not Bigfoot. And I'm a 50% alien, 50% not alien. You're riding that line a little more. I'm riding the line. The smells get me because I've been in situations that are harrowing where there's been a lot of really bad smells. And I'm like, well, you know. Yeah. You know, like if somebody's like, oh, like if I drove by, there's, there's certain places like I'm like, you know, if I went there, I'm like, you know, if I, certain places in the world, if I went there, I'm like, oh, I smelled a burned body in that place. I would, or I saw that some guy burned alive. And then somebody's like, what did it smell like? Well, it smelled like this. I yeah. could describe it. You know, I would remember. You could it recall that. Because olfactory senses are a big, you know, like that, there's that, a lot that's of one memory of big, tied to olfactory senses. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. I think that the creature that they saw was not Modinho. Was okay. not was not just like an autistic guy, you know, who yeah. lived in the same close neighborhood as them. Uh, Pre cell phones, where people were wandering around and playing in the streets more often, you know, and probably would have come into contact with him more, and probably were a little bit tighter knit community. I don't think the creature that they saw was Modinho. I think it is interesting, you know. I've heard some of the skepticals skeptics say that there's some. You know, there's explanations for everything, and it wasn't until the girls said stuff that other people started coming out with things. I'm gonna say, 55 percent happened, 45 percent didn't happen. Ooh, you heard it here. 55 percent happened, 45 percent didn't happen. And the biggest thing that would 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 throw it over the edge to me to a more positive note would be is if there was, you know, obviously video evidence, or if we had whatever, that would be like the gold standard. But if oh, we had more from the fire department who had the catch pole, I would like to see more of that and translate it in English, the, the story that they were talking about. Yeah. 
and Marco Terese's, uh associate, his corporal or whatever, his, his sergeant, whatever yeah. he was, who was riding with him, has to give us something one way or the other. And yeah, this is one of those things that, you know, James is, Fox has even talked about, you know, just because this documentary came out and stuff, that the research on this isn't done, you know, they're very well, you know, as this uh, documentary has been blowing up here lately and stuff that it very well could be that somebody watches it and has a change of heart and decides to come out and give more evidence. So who knows what we may hear. And I'll say overall seven out of 10 to eight out of 10, seven out of 10 documentary wise. I think there's, yeah. I think there's definitely been, I, I don't love the way he filmed it. I don't love some of the, like the, the, the way it was done. I think it could have been a lot more neat, but it was also more grassroots kind of like yeah. amateur. It felt like, which they was, had a small team doing it, which, which also was nice. I would say if you're looking for a UFO documentary, if you're looking for something to watch, if this piques your interest and you, your wife is going to fall asleep or your husband's going to fall asleep uh, or your boyfriend or your girlfriend mm. or your children are going to fall asleep while you're watching it, take an hour and a half and watch it. Yeah. It is interesting, but you know, take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. My, if I had to put a thing, I, I think it happened. I'm like 100. I'm like, I'm like 95 at least. Okay. You know, I, I leave a little bit of room just for some type of anomaly of some kind, you know, some kind of other thing, but I'm, I'm pretty well convinced that, you know, I, I feel like something definitely happened there that involved some, some kind of otherworldly creature and craft of some kind. Yeah. I mean, you have a military base close by. Yeah. Like, you know, 45 minutes away. You know, if you guys know that you shot it down or you guys know that you might have hit it, it's easy to stand up forces. It's easy to get them moving Yeah, with a dedicated military base. You know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there that is interesting. I've read some interesting skeptical things. There's some things the skeptics, I think, just take with a grain of salt. I don't always believe the government. I you can't do that. It's definitely not where you should go um, when it comes to things because everybody has a... Everybody's got something they're trying to do, you know? Yeah. Just like us right now. We, we're trying to get you to listen to podcasts. We want you to listen to our podcast. That's our agenda is to listen to us and become part of our thing, become part of our family Yeah, and do all that. And you know, everybody's got one. We don't know what, what, what theirs are. And I don't know what James's is, but it definitely seems like he's interested in this. And, um, I'm interested in it. Yeah. I I want to hear more about it. I do too. You know, he's seeking, He's out there speak, you know, wanting people to come out and speak to, uh, because he thinks people actually had video cameras and took video of it prior to the military arriving. Right. And to our Brazilian listeners, um, I would say if you know somebody that knows something, then. Yeah. And James Fox is on Twitter and he's been very active on there and stuff. So if, you know, if you know something or have some information, send it to him. That's right. I'm sure he'd love that. Or. Or send it to us. Or send it to us. And we'll break a story. And yeah, that we'll, we'll give you a year patron, you know, Patreon discount. <laughs> patron subscription. <laughs> you get, you'll get a year Patreon subscription and uh, we'll split the money with you. Yeah, there you 33, go. 33, 33, How's that sound? Oh. And then 1% we'll give to uh, some company that gets rid of ammonia smells in the hospitals. <laughs> right. Some, some charity for that. Mr. Clean. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a Mr. Clean charity. Yeah, that's great. Well, 
yeah, I, I definitely interesting. I think we covered the majority of it. It's not like, you know, we're not going to go fact for fact for fact. This isn't going to be like a series yeah. that we talk about other things, but we do want to talk about these specific incidents as they come up or yeah. as that we find them through interesting. Yeah. And if you want to, you know, if, if you watch the documentary, find it interesting and you want to hear a little more about it again, like check out his uh, episode that he did with Joe Rogan. Like he yeah. dives into it a little more. He's a little all over the place there. A little bit. It's It's a little, you know scattered but there is some extra contextual information and in that actually stuff, turned so. his his episode actually turned me off from it a little bit just really because, because he like i said when you know i wonder if it worked better in my way where i heard the podcast first yes and yeah. then saw the documentary see i watched it first and then i heard him oh. and it's one of those things where he starts leaping to conclusions or starts saying people are honest i see what you're like, saying They're the best they got to be the best actor in the world and when you come in with when, that, when someone points that kind of stuff out too much, it almost discredits it. It does. It, it, it bothers me. And so you see, you see that with sometimes with Jeremy Corbell or Rob, you know, like that yeah, kind yeah. of thing where yeah. they're like, Oh, dude, he's telling the truth. Like you're not a body language expert. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we don't I get know. That. I get that. And so I think that episode actually turned me off from it a little bit, but I, I still am interested in it. I think, I still think it's an amazing um, and I think it's an amazing thing that's happened. The city's adopted it. The mayor believes it happened, you know, yeah. and yeah, it's a pretty cool case. Yeah. You know what else is pretty cool? What's that, Josh? Anyone who, uh, listens to us and follows us on our social media pages. What do you mean? Like Instagram? Yeah. Like Instagram. At, at Geeky DC podcast. I almost said that at the same time. <laughs> Are we, did we just become best friends? We did at a geek ETC podcast on Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube, you can find us all there. The podcasts are all uh, uploaded to YouTube as well, if you'd rather listen to there, as well as any major podcast platform every Wednesday morning. Every Wednesday. Yes, the new episode comes out. So uh, subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon. Leave us five-star reviews or you know thumbs-ups, likes, subscribes, anywhere that you can. You yeah. know, Turn on any notification bells, all that jazz. Yeah. And then once you've done that, Go check us out on Patreon. That's like right. we mentioned earlier, patreon.com slash podcast. You guys can become part of the crew, and you guys can help us decide. Are we going to shoot those aliens down, or are we going to try to welcome them to our new Earth Federation? Hey, there you go. And make sure you guys go check out our website, too, where you can also listen to our podcast, hear a little bit about us. Josh also takes the time to type up some show notes and puts a lot of references in there. Right. And that's at www.geekytcpod.com which is World Wide Web, www. Yes, that's what that stands for. You can go chat. Check us out there. Uh, check out the, the show notes. There's often a link to you know, either Wikipedia pages or just related articles to find out some more information about stuff. And, you know, if you guys see an alien, grab your fellow geek because you guys fight better together. Yeah, and get, take some pictures and send them to us. Yeah, if you can get that exclusive footage. But either way, whatever you do, always remember to keep geeking out. <laughs>